hiding. Hey, Tom. So we're going to flip the script. Do you know what Q star is? I do not know what Q star is. It's the optimal policy found by AGI or OpenAI. Same thing. And welcome to the retort. <laughs> Today could be called the first emergency pod. I think it is definitely an emergency in AI, but we weren't so urgent to feel a need to jump on immediately and comment. Given that we had just spent the last episode talking about OpenAI and all their chagrin over there, but obviously it is the topic of the day and it's really important to discuss how this shifts the Overton window of AI discussions. I think the possibilities for what technology is built has not changed that much. The timeline is definitely set back from anywhere from four days to months, depending on the fallout and changes from this, which is fine. And for anyone that doesn't know what happened, essentially the board came to a emergency meeting in a series of events. There's details if you want to find the timelines, but Sam Altman was fired for the board for quote, inconsistent communication or something fairly damning for the board to say but without any backing hence proceeded the biggest circus AI and maybe tech has seen in like 40 years with Sam Altman's eventual return the ousting of the board AI Doomer interim CEOs Microsoft research being replaced by what OpenAI was as the cheapest acquisitor of all time Tons of customers shopping around for alternatives to OpenAI. Um, crews sweeping their news under the rug and announcing that their CEO was leaving during the crisis. Yeah. Meta disbanding the responsible AI team during the crisis. Yeah. I'm sure there were other covered up things that I didn't catch on to. But really, this is all about shifting narratives in AI. And it's such an interesting time for it to happen, given that ChatGPT has only been around for a year. So I wrote about this kind of shifting of the narrative on interconnects already. We'll relink that blog post generally saying this is an opportunity for everyone outside of the open AI worldview to solidify their thoughts, to actually present reasonable arguments and things like that. I'm guessing Tom might have a more profound <laughs> reflection on what happened. I Maybe I see opportunity in it. I just think that corporate politics and black swan events happen. It's just like, I don't want to, it's sad to see this happen to people, but I don't want to like focus on details that are just details. It's like, we should focus on what actually matters. Yeah. We, I feel like a lot of us kind of saw there's a lot of, there is a lot of personalities here. There might be some black swan stuff going on for sure. There's some boardroom dynamics. There's some play-by-plays that we don't know yet, may never know. I know, frankly, less than most because I, as I told Nate before we started recording, I've actually like severely cut down on my social media consumption in, in response to these recent events. And so that there's a certain level of just like the intrigue there that I'm kind of intentionally not paying so close attention to. But regardless of that, I still feel like the writing has been to some extent on the wall for these 
two very different incentives, basically, that a company like this had. I mean, we've actually even on this pod, like, we in a few different episodes, we've alluded to the early history of OpenAI, and even in the last episode, and how different the company is now, despite still being actually quite young, relatively speaking. And I do feel like the events were shocking, but in a certain register, also not that surprising insofar as a company that has these extremely stringent commitments to a nonprofit structure in the name of safety that is also trying to commercialize at an unprecedented scale and speed is going to run into some speed bumps. Yeah, for people not in the details, the word AGI is literally used in what is it like their 48 word company charter. So I feel like any company charter that is bases its decision making solely on the meaning of AGI is squarely effed. Like, I just find it so funny because like the board could have come potentially been doing what they find to be right, depending on what their definition of AGI is. It literally depends on the definition in the room at the time. Which I find hilarious. And OpenAI has had not- OpenAI has had a I'll call it a distinctive definition of AGI, which the last time I checked, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like the moment at which AI is able to do most economically valuable work. Something like that. Which that's not the way most people I think who even believe in AGI would define that term. So you kind of had this very specific pseudo-commercial definition of even what the purpose of this nonprofit is. And so I wonder if when the dust settles, as unsettling as the last 120 hours (laughs) or so have been, it's actually kind of this situation where what, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object kind of kind of dynamics and I'm I think I'm less inclined than most people that I've seen to assign much agency to the players in this case because I think the script was kind of already kind of set up to be a kind of a tragedy or comedy I guess it depends on I I do think the board charter like the nonprofit board with a vague charter rolling over a one of the fastest growing companies of all time was bound to have issues like like what it almost feels like we're all stupid for not seeing this coming sooner which is something like ben thompson mentioned in his trajectory post he's like i had written this but i thought it was too weird so i didn't say it months ago it's like how do we not see this coming in some ways i mean yeah it it's hard in a situation like this It's interesting, it's paradoxical, because the event did kind of feel almost shocking at the same time that it felt kind of inevitable. It felt extremely abstract at the same time that Nate and I both know some of the, like, players here, or at least many people. I mean, mean, yeah. Yeah, there's two things on this. Like, we should say it is clear that the board did do some silly things in the process of this. Like, it has come out to clear that the board didn't handle the situation well, regardless of their goals. 
and speaking of like hand, seeing this firsthand, I literally was, I was at a conference at Stanford and there were two people from OpenAI on this, at this conference. Dylan Hadfield Manel, friend of the pod, was giving a talk on how inclusion is needed for AI safety. And like I was sitting next to Deep mm. for Mantropic, mm. another friend of the pod, and I got this text and I showed him and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and then the two OpenAI employees that I won't name at the conference literally had to go into a separate room that was smaller but attached that was all glass walls so we were just all sitting there watching them like get distressed on their all hands with right after this happened and it was just like it feels like a scene from the next what was the movie called the social network Mm -hmm. it's going to be called like the the ai company is going to be the bad name for that (laughs) that movie that comes out it feels like it felt like a scene from a Tragedy. Is this inappropriate? So actually, I was going to bring this up on a previous episode, but it, it feels like a somewhat appropriate time for me to bring up some alchemy. Can can I do that for a few minutes? I think it's relevant here. So yeah, I remember this has been alluded to before. I gave an interview, a couple interviews with VentureBeat a couple months ago, where in those interviews, I suggested that AI is more like alchemy than it is like science, that, that it's actually predominantly alchemy now. And actually, in addition to that, I actually made a, a rather provocative claim on top of that, which is that alchemical symbols are used in in the kind of practice of doing of doing AI, which I think ruffled some feathers, which is not surprising. But what I meant by that was that the symbols of these different companies... I think have a relationship with the culture of these companies and are interesting reflections of the dynamics of these companies. And OpenAI's logo is actually a good example of this. So their logo, the kind of term for this, it's actually in the shape of a knot called, I believe, a monkey's fist. So I'm sure Nate is kind of, he can either see it in his mind's eye or he's looking at it. I don't know how to tie the knot, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So a monkey's fist is basically, the origins of it are, it it was used by sailors who were interested, if you're like on a boat, how do you quickly throw a line to like the opposite end of the boat without messing up the other lines? And the kind of solution to that was, you take a little stone or something solid and relatively small, but kind of dense, and you kind of layer this rope, this line of rope around it in such a way that it forms this kind of nested set of lines, kind of in like a three-dimensional matrix. And it takes the shape of kind of like a ball, and it makes it something that's very easy to throw from one end of the boat to the other. And because it's on a line, there's no risk. It's going to like, you know, you're not going to lose it per se. But it's, it's very kind of convenient, especially when you're docking and like you're doing these kind of like somewhat complicated logistical maneuvers. I'm glad I now know the use of this knot. That, I mean, obviously you can use this. It's, we all know what that sort of, now that I've described it, hopefully it's like clear what that is. And, and there's, a, you know, like cats like to play with them. They like bat at them, for example. It's like this sophisticated, dense version of a yarn ball. Yes. And there's a particular kind of lattice structure. You can look up instructions online for like how to make one of these things. So it's not... I googled it while you're talking and there is like a Quora discussion of <laughs> OpenAI logo monkey yeah. fist. So <laughs> so I think what I want to add to that though is that the, so the OpenAI logo is basically 
in the shape of a monkey fist uh, in that you have these like interlaced lines that are kind of meshed in such a way that circle each other. So they kind of interweave in such a way that it bends back in on itself. And, you know, symbolically, you could kind of take that as, again, indicative of OpenAI's early... Remember, I mean, I'm sure Nate remembers this one. They were trying to use DeepRL to, like, train a hand from scratch to, like, solve a Rubik's Cube kind of stuff. OpenAI was very interested from its founding in creating syntheses across different branches of deep learning, reinforcement learning. This was back when RL was like, whoa, they're actually doing RL. You know, that's like an unstructured action space. They're like, they're actually really going to do it kind of stuff, right? And they were really interested in seeing how these different learning techniques could be interwoven in such a way that would add up to, again, as Nate mentioned, it was right there in the charter, some vision of AGI. But I think it's illuminating that at the center of the OpenAI logo, there is not a stone or any kind of core. There's there's actually nothing there around which this lattice is revolving. There's actually nothing at the start of it, like at the, at the, at the center of it. So these, these layers are kind of meshed around and over each other, and it's composite, but it's not... It's not symbolically additive. There's just this kind of hole. And I've, I've been reflecting on that repeatedly over the last, like, five days of, like, actually, what, what is in that hole? And the thing is, we, we, don't, we don't know because they kind of, it hasn't really been clear who's been running that company. And, and, and not just who in terms of what person, but what vision, what specific set of values what kernel is the fulcrum around which these layers are actually being aggregated, right? And kind of, you know, I think arguably what we saw with with the open letter is, you know, if anything, the, the kind of different teams uh, that comprise the company kind of like rose up and were like, actually, we have, we have thoughts in this situation about, you know, what we think the board should or should not have done in this situation. And so it's kind of like the tail wagging the dog, so to speak. So I think that... I've got two two comments. We have all we're here. One, I love the analogy, but also as a part-time designer person, I think that it would just look bad with something in the middle. So whether or not they actually tried to med- make a claim about something being in the center, I think you just can't put anything out there with having it look good. And two, the open letter. Probably uh, as someone who is way too online during this situation because it was wildly entertaining there was at one point reporting that came out that all but like five of the open ai employees had signed this letter wanting sam back and they had gone through the effort to figure out that one of them was quote in the jungle so <laughs> just it's like that's the level of total discombobulated nonsense that people are at where they were trying to track down where the various employees who hadn't sound signed may actually be which is not like that is just like a broken there's something something had totally broken there if that needed to be done it is worth pausing to acknowledge that there there are many contingencies in a historical moment like this and it really was entirely possible that the company could have either gone belly up or kind of jettisoned a very large portion of its workforce 
yeah there, there was a it's remarkable that it seems like it'll be so non-disruptive to them in the long term it seemed almost inevitable that they would lose sam and greg or and or like hundreds of employees at minimum i still think i mean that's a, actually another segue here is what actually just happened and does it matter and why I think we both feel like it does matter, but you could argue the devil's advocate would say, actually, what the last five days showed is that everything is basically just going to proceed as it was. The board is the only thing to change. If you think, if you think markets and customers are solely d- driven by products in a kind of a bubble, then nothing really matters. But if you're open to understanding that it's driven by like narratives and how narratives drive regulation and policy, then it does change a lot. Sam Alt is, is a phrase I feel like I've been saying to people from the outside of the AI world. They're like, what the heck is going on? Like Sam Altman was the face of AI to the world as AI became a mainstream idea. He was in Congress. He was at all these UK summits. He was raising $10 billion from the Middle East. Like literally everything, yeah. this guy was doing it which props like the guy was doing massive amounts of work, but there is now such a huge crack in that facade that a lot of policymakers will be like questioning this in some way. Like the, 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 there's a, they're at least more open to other arguments, even if they're not going to explicitly say y'all effed up. I don't like your ideas anymore. They're going to now go looking to see like, Oh, do I have to cover my back? Like, should I really put all my eggs in this guy's basket? Like, that's the thing that I think people should be focusing on. Here's another question. What does this mean for the effective altruist side of the kind of safety slash forecasting discourse or just EA in general? Because I was reflecting on this, it's it's kind of a coincidence, but we it was almost exactly a year ago that FTX went belly up. Oh yeah, another one to happen to cover up. The other is the other crypto exchange went belly up during this, or the guy admitted to fraud. I didn't, see, I didn't <laughs> even know that part. <laughs> see, like another thing that a happened. lot of stuff, but yeah. I do feel like this was confabulated with the ea ideology whether or not it matters but i think that stock is also so low that it's lost its footing the way the thing that i'm the thing that i wrote about specifically just to get my stance out there and finish the take is that people that care about openness and transparency as a method for creating more responsible and inclusive and broadly beneficial AI should not be dunking on the fact that open AI disintegrated as a reason that quote unquote, like you should own your own ML model because we've seen that like these ML models are so capital intensive that it's like, there will be big models provided by closed companies and open companies like hugging face could have a total boardroom disaster and also go belly up. These events are extremely rare and probably will happen to billion dollar plus companies once a decade. Like it happens so rarely. And just saying that, like, look, 
the star company can disintegrate itself because of politics and backstabbing is not a good argument as to why we need access to research artifacts and have researchers to have access to top models and have like public entities have access to top models. Like those arguments are because of verifying claims, including the right people in the conversation, because we all know that OpenAI is not going to hire a representative distribution of software engineers, social scientists, economics, and policymakers. Like they're heavily swung in specific directions. So it's like, we need to say these things clearly. I'm starting to try to mobilize people to work on this and like write the equivalent policy paper to like frontier AI model risk, which is essentially saying no one should have these models to be like, here's the reasons why people might actually want to have the broader public with access to these models and say these things because open AI's narrative is no longer as credible. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's also to some extent pointing out the need for accountability beyond just transparency, right? Where public access is not just a question about can we know more? Is there more disclosure? Is there more information available about the model or the technology and also the decisions that were made underpinning it? It's also about, you know, to whom must those decisions be addressed? And that, that, that yeah. relationship is implicit. I mean, it's there. It's implicit in the commercialization. It's implicit in the API. It's implicit in, like, there's access there. But it's incredibly weak relative to, I think even from my position, the case for accountability has kind of still taken a backseat to this debate about what does openness mean? What does transparency mean? Do we want a completely open source ecosystem or not? If so, what does that mean? If not, is that in the name of safety? I kind of increasingly am inclined to see, I think it's an important debate, but it's, it's, not the only topic under consideration here because my my stance is that these models should be as open as they need to be for scientific rigor and inquiry to be possible and beyond that they do need to be thought of at a certain level of capability as public infrastructure or public infrastructure in the making and that that is a different axis of governance that needs to be i think it's un, i think it's under examined right now but i think it's in at stake here let's 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 battle test a new take do you think that it's true in the history of technology that the more powerful the technology the more important openness is to creating a functioning society around that or is that a self-serving take i think there's a relationship but it's not linear and it's probably more like asymptotic. Openness yeah. becomes openness is really useful and valuable at certain stages of development. But I think in general it does become less and less critical once the technology itself becomes so deeply interwoven with social life 
that the operative question. Yeah, it's almost about the yeah. It's almost about the derivative. It's like while it's changing so fast, openness seems really important. Yeah, if we really want to be fancy and apply the calculus to it. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think in a way, I mean, that's a little bit of a cute metaphor, but yeah, I think that's right. It's something about what is the and again, it's actually appropriate with the takeoff metaphor here, right? It's like at what point in development or what points in development do you need different kinds of agents overseeing their performance or to whom the, re- the performance must be reported, under what conditions? And yeah, it's just a separate axis, I think, beyond transparency. And there's various, there's various reasons for that. This is the kind of governance conversation that we haven't really invested as much in. And also, frankly, I kind of feel like I have to be the political theorist here and just point out that like, what the last five days have also shown is that um, I'm not really sure if AI governance has been the issue as much as AI sovereignty <laughs> at the risk of being fancy. What do you mean by that? What, like, what would AI sovereignty mean? Well, it's an important distinction, right? So sovereignty is about authority. Governance is just about some kind of just even possibly tech technocratic oversight of something. It's government is just the instruments through which levers are pulled or not pulled to ensure some kind of regime of control, you could say, if if you want to put it in that in that language. But sovereignty is about who does it and are they able to be challenged or not? If so, by who, right? So again, it's, we, I don't run this country. We have a Congress. I mean, God help us. They, they represent us. They're the government, but we're sovereign nominally because we, the people are the, you have to drop this back to AI for me then. (laughs) Well, I think that's the point though, is that we don't have that in AI right now. It's not, it's fundamentally not clear what we the people means in the context of AI. So in the context of open AI, what happens? Are, are, yeah. are there any technologies that are truly sovereign? Like, in the mod, like thinking of modern tech companies, things that have really been well, pushing the accelerator? I mean, a public, I mean, a public corporation actually would have a kind of sovereign power understood in terms of like shareholders, right? So shareholders would be the people whose interests are represented by the board, right? So the board would be the governance structure, but the shareholders, if this was a public you know, company whose stocks were openly traded and whatnot, and you could invest in it, any, as much investment as you had, that's sort of like what share of sovereign power you have in the company at stake, right? And that's what makes this interesting right now is that OpenAI had an incredibly complicated Rube Goldberg government governmentality kind of going on. Yeah, have you seen the diagram? They literally have made their own diagram of their government I, government structure and it makes like no sense. That's amusing. It's essentially like the nonprofit at the top with like a shell company that then the shell company operates a for-profit entity with all these lines and stuff. It's just like like what is like <laughs> It's, I mean, to me, it kind of looks like a lot of hubris at this point. You can't actually control those sorts of dynamics. And the the way you deal with a situation like that is there remains a common baseline understanding of 
who decides what the reality is. What is the what is the ground truth, right, for our company? And I think what made the last five days so, I mean, disconcerting, even for someone like me who does not work at that company, and a lot of my other collaborators and friends and whatnot who also don't, but who also have just been glued to their screens or otherwise very disheveled, let's say, in response to these events. The reason it felt so emotionally taxing is that there was not a clear source of authority or authoritative understanding of what was going on and who was in charge. And there was this prospect, as I already mentioned, that you know a company at the absolute vanguard of the conversation may well have gone belly up at a different fork in the road. Yeah, I, I don't like where this, like, where this heading makes me cynical, at least the conversation, because I almost think it's a, like a underscoring the fact that money, power, whatever, like always wins. With like Microsoft saving the day of blah, 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 which I think is like, we're not the right people to discuss So this that. actually is I mean, what's missing though, right? And this is really important. I mean, I appreciate you saying it. I don't think it's cynical to read the last five days as kind of having this feel of like rats scurrying off a sinking ship or like rats trying to decide if the ship is sinking such that they should scurry off it, right? Rats on a sinking ship are motivated by fear and perceptions of power. And and that that in fact was, I think, the predominant dynamic over the last five days. What I think the task of AI governance ought to be is how do we change those dynamics so that they don't regress to a calculus exclusively of fear and relative power? That's the whole point of governance, is that you're not stuck in that dysfunctional, mutually destructive equilibrium. It is possible to do it. You can't do it by attempting to control all the different levers through which you can predict where the technology is going, you can control this aspect, you can control, you know, what your CEO may or may not be allowed to say in certain instances. That's not the way this is going to work. It's going to work through a much more consistent understanding of where the ultimate source of authority lies within a company. And that's classically either the shareholders or some more robust set of public commitments such that there are external stakeholders or a citizenry or constituencies or something like that. So that when these sorts of, if you want to call it a black swan event, when egos brush up against each other and somebody gets forced out, the whole ship is not at risk of sinking. Yeah, you ready for the next black swan nonsense and shift to Q star memes? So that you're gonna have to educate. I'm curious because Nate, I'm ready to educate I don't, you. I have I, not heard uh, about this, which is kind of fun. So I, I pulled it up. I posted it on Twitter because I saw it on Slack. My tweet has the relevant quotes from this Reuters article, so I'll just read them to you. They're very close, short. And when I was pulling up the tweet to transition this conversation along, I saw that Elon Musk has replied to my all caps tweet that is tin hat theory. So Elon replied. So I was like, I, do I just delete it at this point? 
but I'll read you the, the tweet. I said, tin hat time on what OpenAI is cooking with QSTAR, <laughs> which is their rep. To start, but hilarious quotes from the Reuters article. Longtime executive Mira Murati told employees on Wednesday that a letter about the AI breakthrough called QSTAR, pronounced QSTAR, precipitated the board's actions. Next paragraph or a bit later. Given vast computing resources, the new model was able to solve certain mathematics problems. Dot, dot, dot. I skipped something about, like, off the record. Though only performing math on the level of grade school students, acing such tests made researchers very optimistic about QSTAR's future success. Then I go on to, like, Twitter charades where I'm like, what could QSTAR mean? QSTAR, the way that it's, why it's exciting to me that, like, random ideas, it sounds like a combination of Q-learning and A-star. Q-learning is, like, the first RL algorithm where a Q function is the value at a state action pair rather than a value function, which is just states. And then A star is like a classical search algorithm, which is supposedly optimal under a lot of graph graph configurations. And it's supposed to be, it's really compute intensive to run because you're traversing a graph with like a tree structure. And that just blows up. I wrote some more about that. Really, it's like AI feedback. And people were getting so silly in the comments. And then Elon replied with like, I don't even know where it is at this point, but he said something like some kind of alpha zero self play applied to LLMs. So now I'm stuck with the like Elon curse on Twitter. But to close the point, this hilarious thing about all this reporting, which everyone that knows RL should know, and one and someone else tweeted this, Finbar Timbers tweeted this, is that Q star is literally how researchers refer to the optimal policy. So if like you're reading a textbook and it's like the agent found the optimal policy. It would be no, like the, the value function corresponding to that is Q star because the optimal policy is pi star. It's like that could literally be the whole thing. It could just be a nonsense meme joke. But like right. we're going to have people going off talking about how OpenAI has made the next major breakthrough and RLHF and Elon replies to me and all this fucking problems. That's sad. It doesn't strike me. So I didn't know any of that until you told me uh, just now. I am familiar with Q learning and with Alpha Star. Uh, in fact, Anka Dragon, yeah. friend of the pod, <laughs> was the one who uh, taught me um, that in her CS188 class at UC Berkeley, I believe. Intro to AI. So yeah. this to me. Yeah, this kind of again strikes me more like alchemy. Again, it's it's the alchemy of of words, right? And the way that a, a term like what is this? I'm sorry, Q star is that what it's called? That's what they're calling this. That's clearly yeah. just like an incantation. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And what an incantation does is that its meaning is expressed in terms of what it evokes. That's what a spell is, right? So spells work when they evoke things in people. And it sounds like that's what this is doing. (laughs) And so... It's so silly. I mean, I also got a text that was like, you should write this as a blog post, but you're racing the other AI person that also knows what it could mean. It's just like, all this is just such noise. It's like, it's funny because doing this, I could write a blog post that it probably is like the highest viewing post on my blog by writing this right now. They're like, that is just, 
just shows to how the narrative of AI is so silly. It's like I would literally just be fully speculating, and yet you would. Right. And, You're per, you have a, yeah. and you would be you'd be rewarded you for have it. A, I like I'd be rewarded. You have a for perverse it. incentive to capitalize on a narrative that you know to be wrong, <laughs> or at least yeah. a joke. Do you have the strength to endure? I guess is the question. And to not post? Well, I don't know. It depends on what strength means for you, I guess, right? <laughs> this week, a very special episode of Third <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like, this is like, this is all... This is partially a recap of Opening Eye, and then we literally got, like, into the live reporting part of this unfolding, which is so funny. Like, I think it's good. I think it's like a good representation of the types of things people in AI have been dealing with this week. And this is continuing. This is the same stuff. I'm, I'm glad that it's a very funny thing to have happened. Like, I could write this post in 30 minutes. Should I just send it? Get a ton of views. Emergency post. Third post of the week. Well, I would, <laughs> I would not. I mean, I would. If you're asking me, I would not, you know, do it. Yeah. But it's not for me to tell you what you should do you know this is a yeah it's yeah. a state of emergency there's a lot of political theory around how states of emergencies work and don't work and again it comes down to it, it's about authority right so do you want to do you want to step into the position of there's a way for you to write that probably that would be responsible but i think it would require you to take the high ground and say something like yeah like a, a more erudite and more thought through version of what we're vibing on right now which is that <laughs> just to rick roll everyone and be like this is thought you, you don't really need well that. that's one way <laughs> you to don't need it, to worry I guess, about yeah. i mean i think that i need to be so actually the way i wanted to kind of end this episode or you know it's kind of you know we're doing this at thanksgiving i'm actually drinking bourbon while we're doing this episode partly because i needed it <laughs> and partly because it's it's holiday time but in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I was going to try and articulate at least what I was thankful for in the context of the last five days or maybe over the last year. Because it's important in moments like this to decide how you attach meaning to things rather than let this cascading waterfall of bullshit more or less determine what kinds of meanings you're allowed to pin on the donkey. Yeah, I, I openly think that my plan is to write about it next week in the context of like grasping for multi-turn RLHF and what it would mean. Because what everyone that's interested in RL wants to do with language modeling because it's then optimizing across multiple actions, which is like what the whole thing is built up to be. Which I which was my initial reaction. But writing an explainer, which is hearsay based on literally only a name, and I guess that it solves math problems. It's just like it's 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 clickbait it's literally just right it's it's interesting clickbait because the whole ai world is extremely frothy right now and i already wrote it i already wrote it on twitter with all caps introduction that it was a tin hat theory so it's like that's the place for it <laughs> what are you thankful for Feel like a little weird t like there's the there's the things that people on the pod probably don't know but i'm thankful to be healthy and have supportive people but like 
it has been a really interesting year and I am thankful that I got to have a career where I can apply myself and actually like most of the work that I do impacts people and is visible and has, it has stakes and very important technology. And I don't think most, like most people don't have access to that. So it is very fulfilling, but I'm lucky to have a support network that makes that very accessible and like long-term sustainable. I think I'm thankful for in a in a world that has very little integrity in it and a lot of froth. I'm thankful for having a position where I can on good faith and in healthy ways on good terms engage with people who vehemently disagree with each other, but who are able to relate to me as a human being who I think is someone they can trust. Yeah. It's actually kind of interesting. that I was just in Boston. So we didn't do an episode last week, probably because I was in Boston. I was traveling and I had beers with Dylan, friend of the pod, <laughs> after, after a work day at his lab. And we kind of, We've known each other for years, but we kind of caught up after, you know, sort of like, what was that? <laughs> you know, what was, what was Chai? What the hell, what was all that, all that shit that we learned? You know, not, not of like, not like, oh boy, that was a load of crap, but sort of just like, you know, kind of just a, what a long, strange trip it's been that we're just, we're on. And we often move in this world, like, we often act like we're in control and, like we know what we're talking about and we know who runs the ship, whatever the ship is we're talking about and where things are likely to go or not likely to go. And, you know, reputations are won or lost on how confident we are in our ability to navigate that space. And it's nice to actually take like pause and breathe. And especially with the last five days, be reminded that really no one's in control. Uh, of this stuff. There's no single person or group that really knows what's going to happen tomorrow or can really determine like the way this is going to go. It's it's either it, it's either the logic of capital or it's something new that about AI that you know, you know, I'm sorry about this Q star thing, but I don't really think we have any purchase. <laughs> on understanding exactly where this stuff's going to go. And so we're all just winging it. And I actually think that's quite beautiful. And I'm, I'm thankful for having a position where, whether it's over beers with Dylan or drinking this bourbon the day before Thanksgiving with me, I can, that I can express that in good faith and have that past. Yeah. It's much more productive to do the podcast than to reply that Elon replies that's for sure it's it's the right thing to do we're trying to encourage people to do that as well fun times we survived most of us anyway the last week <laughs> that we did um, I hope you have some good family time thanks for listening everyone 
but for Bye. now, bye-bye. <laughs> mm.